0: tandem nomads episode 184
1: and because you're letting them know again that my goal is to focus on you. It's it's not to sell you my product or service. That will come in time if it's supposed to. And it doesn't have to take a long time. Sometimes relationships develop very quickly. Other times it takes a while. Sometimes the timing isn't right. Sometimes it is. This person may never be a prospect for you, but they may appreciate so much your giving spirit that if they know someone who needs what you, you just, you don't know.
0: Hello Nomad Nation, welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. My name is Amel Dereghi. I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. I am very excited to bring to you today a very, very exceptional guest, the author of the book, The Go-Giver. This book has played a huge role in my journey and I wanted to bring the author, Bob Burke, to you so that hopefully it also helps you and inspires you in your journey. It is a real privilege to have him on the show and interview him. I will be introducing him to you in a few more words. But I just wanted to remind you, if you've been listening to this podcast show for a long time, you might know how much I've been insisting over time on the importance of building meaningful relationships in your business, but also in your day-to-day life. Because if you are really caring and really focused on giving value, it will always come back to you. There is in fact no marketing strategy that will ever be as effective as truly caring. So with no further ado, I'm really excited to introduce you to Bob Burke. Bob, are you ready for this ride?
1: Oh, I am absolutely ready, ML.
0: Thank you so much. It's such a great honor to have you here, Bob. And Nomad Nation, let me just tell you a few words about who is Bob Berg in case you have never heard of him, which I would be surprised, but here is it. Bob is the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, and influence with total book sales of well over a million copies. He is also a much Thought sought after speaker at sales and leadership conference. His book, The Go Giver, co authors with John David Mann, itself has sold over 900. 50,000 copies and has been translated into 28 languages. That's amazing. So, through his work and passion, he shows how companies, both large and small, that conduct their businesses the go-giver way are now only of much greater value to their customers. They are also significantly more functional and profitable as well. So, Bob, this is just a few words about who you are. And we're gonna deep dive into this amazing book that's called The Go Giver. And the reason I was very excited to have you here, I have to tell you that along my journey, I I do believe in everything you teach. Um, but I have to say that sometimes it gets hard. It gets hard to keep with that principle that giving is important. And I have to admit that there were a few moments when it was getting hard every time for some reason, a video or an article from you will pop up and get me back into it. So I just wanted to start by thanking you for being an inspiration on my journey.
1: Thank you. Well, that means a lot to me. Thank you so much.
0: So, Oh, you're so welcome. And um, so you're all about giving. And there's one thing that before we go into the topic of how giving can really help grow a business. We have another passion together, which is entrepreneurship. And those who listen to the show know that for me, entrepreneurship is not just about doing business. It's a way of life. It's a philosophy. I'd love to hear about what is for you, the entrepreneur, your spirit, and why is it so important, as you also say, even if we don't run a business?
1: Well, the entrepreneurial spirit itself is all about creation. It's creating value for the marketplace, creating value for other individuals. It's, it's um, finding a need, a want, a desire in the marketplace, maybe one that the marketplace knows is there and other people, entrepreneurs like Steve Jobs, um, created that want, need, or desire. And And once people understood the benefits, he created a whole new universe in a sense of, of like, So there's nothing an entrepreneur really can't do or really can't accomplish. And, as, and the entrepreneur typically does that really out of a desire to, um, to serve and also to fulfill their own needs of that creative process. And of course, when you do this correctly, you're also, as a result, going to earn a lot of money and be able to live a lifestyle that you that you want to live. Now, in terms of uh, when you're not actually owning your own business uh, and you're working, let's say within another company or another organization, you still need to act as an entrepreneur uh, because you're always having to provide value to others. So instead of being an entrepreneur, though, maybe you're, you're an intrapreneur, an entrepreneur within another's organization. But it's still, you still have clients, only that client is maybe your supervisor or your coworkers, the uh, owner of the company, and maybe and, and indirectly or directly the end user, depending upon what you do. But it's still a matter of finding a way to to bring forth value to those around you.
0: Yes. And um, bringing value, making an impact. And I know that my listeners that I call Nomad Nation is all about that. Uh, I know my community is all about making an impact. And this is why I think entrepreneurship can be very helpful. But the common thing as well with your definition of entrepreneurship and the go-giver is the word value, giving and serving people. Um, so before we go into how can we Uh, give meaningfully, but also in a way that it helps grow the business in a meaningful way. Um, Could you set the premise of the go-giver?
1: Sure. The, the premise itself is simply that shifting your focus, and this is really where it begins, shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others understanding that doing this is not only a a more pleasant way of conducting business it's actually the most financially profitable way as well Uh, not for some woo-woo way out there magical mystical reasons no not at all it actually makes very logical rational sense when you're that person who moves your focus off of yourself and places it on serving others bringing value to them making their lives better helping solve their problems uh, helping them uh, get closer to happiness. However, they see happiness, you know, through your product services and whatever else you bring to the table, uh, people feel good about you. People begin to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. Uh, they want to buy from you. They want to refer you to others. So it actually ends up working for everyone involved.
0: Yes, definitely. And if you, The, the one thing that we're going to have to discuss here that I think is that find balance between giving and expecting something in return. And I think that's the key balance that we need to find because we're talking about how giving can help grow a business, but there's a lot of people who do give hoping and constantly thinking about how can it bring back to the business. So how do you guide people in making that balance?
1: Well, it, it's a great question. And so let's, let's look at it on a, a couple of levels. First, you know, when we give value to the marketplace, okay, and we do this constantly and consistently, assuming we're giving value in a way, and, and let's define value. Value is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of some thing to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, or information, or help, or whatever, that this other person uh, sees to be of such value, a uh, worth, or value in their lives that they want to be involved with it and pay for it and whatever it happens to be that the, so when you're providing value to someone uh, and communicating that value in a way that this person understands it to be of value, they're going to do business with you and money will be exchanged. Uh, That's just, you know, again, that's, that's business. That's how it works. So uh, we will, when we do this, if we're giving the right way, we are going to receive But so uh, then we can say, well, but isn't it healthier to give without expectation? And I would say this, I would say, I know what people mean by that. I think what, and and I think what it is, I think even a better word than expectation, giving without expectation is to give without attachment to the result. I love this. I want people to have positive expectations. But obviously, that's not to say, well, you have to get something back or you're not going to give. You're, no, that's not what we're talking about at all. You, you give and you give value to the marketplace because that's who you are. And that's, so it's what you do. But when you give constantly and consistently, and again, in a way that the other person understands it to be of value, because value is always in the eyes of the beholder. That's so true. When you do this constantly and consistently, you create what my co-author, John David Mann, and I call the benevolent context for success.
0: There is so much uh, gold um, insights here that I I would invite you to listen to again. But I love that key sentence that you said is without attachment. Attachment. And I think that's something that can really ruin the dynamic of a relationship is when we give and then give the feeling to the other person. Okay. I'm giving to you, but our subconscious behavioral body language is so showing in a way Oh, absolutely. you owe me.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. And then as Pindar in the book says, you're then a creditor, right? You're not, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a whole different dynamic in a relationship. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, but when, but when you do the right things in the right way consistently, uh, yes, yeah, so you can never control the results. You can, you can control the actions you take and the way you go about those actions. Those you can control. Those are within your control. You cannot control the result. And that's why it's best to not have attachment because attachment by its very nature causes unhappiness. Attachment, by definition, really says that if I don't get this result, I'm not happy, (laughs) right?
0: Exactly. And, you know, this goes back to what I believe you're all about, Bob. If we follow you and your messaging, I've been watching your great videos as well, your podcast. Um, I think everything – tell me if I'm wrong, but everything you're about is about making – becoming a go-giver as a way of living, and a way to be happy for ourselves and not just to grow our businesses we'll be much happier if we actually get that detachment of always getting things back and and, and getting results out of what we do um, and also believing i think that this is a philosophy of life that in life the universe if we call it the universe or we each can call it differently that if we give, the universe will give it back to you no matter what, as long as you don't do it with the purpose of getting back.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, first of all, I, I love everything you, you said. Um, I, I always make sure, though, that the people understand that, that we're not talking about magic or, or mm-hmm. myth. Like, for example. Well, if I do a good deed like help an old lady across the street, Does that mean that I will get business? No, probably not. It it probably has nothing to do with anything like that. Uh, You know, that's magical thinking. If I just do good things. No, where it's a good thing to do just because it's a good thing to do, (laughs) you know, by all means. But that's not, you don't do it because you're going to get business from it. That's magic. That's, you know, magical thinking. Um, No, you know that as you give intelligently by, again, what is sales when you think about it? By definition, selling is discovering what the other person needs, wants, or desires and helping them to get it.
0: I love that. And it's so great that you just said, it's not magic and it has to be about understanding the client's perspective. If you want to help them.
1: Perspective. Exactly. <laughs>
0: exactly. And this is, I, I teach that to my clients and through the podcast, the importance of whenever we sell, not sell what we think they need, but rather listening first to discover. what are the needs.
1: Exactly, exactly. If,
0: Actually, I have a question for you. I I live in New York and there is a, I have a lot of questions, obviously, this is the whole point of the podcast, but um, I I live in New York and I I just came, moved to America in New York like five years ago. And one of the first things that I noticed, the spirit of New York is all about networking. It's all about intense networking. And one of the questions that everybody asks is, how can I help you? And to be honest with you, it doesn't make me very comfortable when people ask me that because it just, for me, goes straight to let's do business instead of getting to know me and vice versa. I don't know. What is your intake on that? Have you ever, how do you feel about that question? Yeah, well, how can I so help you?
1: It, it sounds as though it comes across to you as being contrived, mm-hmm. which it, it often is. And so, you know, if they're you know, there, there's two ways to say, can I help you? And and one is that you're, you know, looking for their that person's business and it comes across that way. Now, somebody might also say, how can I help you when they first meet you? And they may even mean it in a good way. And yet it doesn't come across that way because it's a little too early to, to feel as though there is way. So, you know, my feeling is when we talk about networking and that's one of those words that has so many Different definitions depending upon who you're asking and how you see people do it. Uh, my definition of networking is simply the cultivating of mutually beneficial give and take, or give and receive, win-win relationships. But the focus, the key, again, is the given, and that means that you 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 don't just meet someone and give them your elevator speech and your throw a business card in their face. no instead just kind of focus on them and create a relationship with them it's asking them how they got started in their business and then listening because people love answering that question how did you get started as a whatever it is they do and and they they love that question because it's you know you're asking them to share their story with you and very few people get asked to share their story. So right away, you distinguish yourself from everyone else. You want to know about them. You're truly, genuinely, authentically interested in them. And after they tell you what they do, you might ask, uh, what do you enjoy most about it? You know, and it might come across more as, you know, uh, I'll bet you've had some amazing experiences over the years. What do you enjoy most about what you do? And again, it's just a question that they enjoy answering, and it makes them feel comfortable when a rapport is established. Now, I might ask as a uh, when, I, when the conversation ends and, and we have exchanged information, if that's appropriate, and I, I might ask a question. I call this the one key question that will separate you from everyone else, and it simply says, how can I know if someone I'm speaking with is a good potential client for you?
0: Oh, Good question
1: and because you're letting them know again that my goal is to focus on you It's it's not to sell you my product or service that will come in time if it's supposed to and it doesn't have to take a long Time sometimes relationships develop very quickly other times. It takes a while. Sometimes the timing isn't right Sometimes it is this person may never be a prospect for you But they may appreciate so much your giving spirit that if they know someone who needs what you you just you don't know okay, but Another great way, by the way, to set up that question is to say, you know, I, uh, Mary, I always love connecting good people with other good people. How can I know if someone I'm speaking with is a good potential client for you? And Mary is just amazed by that question because she's never been asked that before. And, you know, and she's going to have a way. Now she knows that you're looking for her, out for her best interest.
0: Now, Matt Nation, I hope you're taking notes here. These are excellent questions and conversation starters and also ways to to know how to be at service to other people. So that's amazing, Bob. I want to back up a little bit because you mentioned story a few times and I know the power of your book that I highly recommend to, to, to your Nomad Nation. You need to re- read this book. It's just so inspirational. And I read it, I think, three times. <laughs> so it's just that when things get a little more difficult, it's, it's nice to go back to an inspirational story. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about your characters and why you chose actually a parable to talk about Go-Giver?
1: Well, the reason uh, we chose a parable format is, is just because a parable is a story and stories tend to connect. They connect, you know, my, all my other books had been how-to books. Step one, step two, step three, which, you know, I enjoy. That's, that's kind of more my style in terms of teaching. Uh, my first book was Endless Referrals, uh, the subtitle Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. And it was a step-by-step system. You know, what is a system? It's the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how to principles right the key being predictability if it's been discovered that by doing a you'll get the desired results of b then you know that all you need to do is a and keep doing a and keep doing a you'll get the desired results of b and that's it. you know that's that's fine but i'd always read a lot of parables throughout the years and i'd always enjoyed them and I, and I remember thinking, what wouldn't it be great to take the basic premise of endless referrals, which was that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust, and turn it into a, a parable. And so um, I, I asked John David Mann, who at the time was the editor-in-chief of a magazine I used to write articles for, and he was brilliant, and uh, very few people at the time knew him. Uh, now, uh, this guy's the co-author and, and ghostwriter for numerous best-selling books, but back then, few people knew of John. Fortunately, I did, <laughs> and so I asked John to be the lead writer and the storyteller, um, and uh, fortunately, he said yes to that, and we collaborated on it, and that's really how the book you know, came to be. Um,
0: that's amazing and yeah. I, I love those two characters joe and pindar can you tell us about them
1: sure well joe is everyone joe you know everyone's been joe or josephine at some time in our lives right you know the person who was um, young ambitious aggressive was really out there looking to to hit it big and and it right and, but was frustrated because they or we didn't know what we didn't know. And our focus was in the wrong place. We didn't quite have that missing piece that we needed. So everyone's been Joe or Josephine. So that's who Joe was. Okay. Pindar was the guy who, and, and we we modeled him loosely off a gentleman by the name of Bob Proctor, who speaks on and writes on uh, abundance and prosperity. And he's from Toronto and, and he has that kind of, um, You know, magnificent kind of aura right about him, and he's very wise and and very generous with his time and his wisdom. So we—that's who we modeled uh, Pindar off of. The other characters were kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, I guess amalgams or compendiums of. Of several people, right, and and many of the incidents in the book actually took place in the co-authors' lives. We just put them into the story as as you know happening with the characters. So, um, so it was really fun, you know, coming up with them and and uh, kind of getting to know the characters as we were writing them.
0: It's so it's so inspiring for sure. I love those characters, and I was always while reading your book, um, Bob, wondering. Where is your piece of story, your personal uh, story in this? Could you tell me more about, you have such an amazing track record. You've been doing this for 30 years. Um, How did your career start and what led you to go into this journey of 30 years to help people be go-givers?
1: Well, I'd say my Joe story, (laughs) when I was a Joe, uh, it came when, uh, this is, you know, 40 years ago or so, I had just started in sales after beginning as a broadcaster, first in radio and then television news. I was with a very, very small uh, ABC affiliate in the Midwest, and I wasn't really very good at it. And in in a short period of time, I I like to say I graduated into sales, and uh, the I, I had no no formal knowledge of of sales though, and. And um, the company where I started as a salesperson, their, the training was, we'll say, negligible. And when I say negligible, I mean non-existent. So it was really, I was out there on my own and I knew nothing about it. I had the, as, as the, the great Jim Rohn, the business philosopher Jim Rohn used to say, I had the motivation, but not the information. <laughs> you know, I was willing to work at it and work hard, but I didn't know what I was doing. So, you know, you need, so as he says, you need both. You need the motivation and you need the information. Uh, one without the other is just not going to get you very far. And so one day after, you know, several months of floundering, I was in a bookstore and I, I found a, a, a the, the sales section. Now that doesn't sound like any big deal, but back then it was because you, you didn't really hear a lot about sales training and there weren't a whole lot of books on selling at the time. And, um, And so it was very encouraging to me to know that there were books written on it, that there was a methodology. And the the two books I picked up, one was by Tom Hopkins and one was by Zig Ziglar, who were two of the, you know, the biggest of the day and true legends, of course. And, and, um, and I, you know, I started studying it and I'd go home after work at night and into the wee hours of the morning, I'd read, I'd highlight, I'd, I'd underline, I'd dog ear the pages, I'd practice, I would just go through the whole thing. And within a few weeks, my sales began to go through the roof. And, you know, you think about it, there wasn't a whole lot of difference in me from three weeks earlier than three weeks later, other than now I had the information, I had the methodology, I had a System, right? That process of predictably achieving. So I started to really get into sales, and I loved it. And then I began, you know, personal development, reading the books such as Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, and Think and Grow Rich, and As a Man I Think, it's like a cybernetics, the magic <laughs> of big, and you know, all the great classics of sales and personal development and motivation and all those. Loved it. Loved it. Now. I'd been in sales a couple of years and was doing pretty well. But like Joe, I hadn't quite gotten, you know, I was not in any way realizing my potential and it's really because there was a problem and that problem was me, but I didn't realize it Uh, until one day I came back from a sales appointment where the sale did not occur because of my own ineptitude and, uh, or ineptness. And I came back and I was in the, the uh, sales room and I must have had a disgusted look on my face, yeah. self-disgust. And there was a, a gentleman who, who walked by. He was an older guy. He wasn't even in the sales department. I think he was in the engineering department uh, and I think he retired soon after. I didn't know him very well. He didn't. He was one of these guys, didn't say a lot, but whenever he did say something, it was generally very profound. So when he, he said to me, Berg, He was a last name kind of guy. When he said, he said, Berg, can I give you some advice? I said, absolutely, please do. I could use it. And he said, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, he said, you'll get a reward. And that reward will come in the form of money. And you can do with that money whatever you choose. But never forget, he said, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It isn't the target itself. Your target is serving others. And that's when it hit me, that great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. Great salesmanship is never about the product or the service, as important as as those are. Great salesmanship is all about the other person. It's all about the lives you choose to touch through your product or service. It's, it's about how that other person will gain, will increase, will have more happiness or what have you as a result of your product or service and what you also bring along to
0: the table. This is so powerful. And I, I highly encourage you, Nomad Nation, to read the book because in the book, Bob gives you the five laws of success and the five big tips for you to be able to go to be a go-giver and also once you hit your target of serving others start getting your money and growing your business i one of the thing that i know about my audience is that i don't think there's a lot of convincing to do about giving my community is a big giver because of their type of lifestyle but Sometimes it's the opposite issue that they have is like, when do you stop giving? And when do you start saying no so that you can as well focus on yourself and your own priorities? So any insights that you have there to help the go-givers who are giving, but sometimes need to set some limits for those who might want to take advantage or not even try to take advantage, just to, to guide their lives with being effective with it.
1: Well, first of all, it's very, very important to understand that there is nothing about being a go-giver that is congruent with allowing yourself to be taken advantage of or being anybody's doormat or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely Mm -hmm. not. Okay. Being a go-giver simply means you understand that focusing on bringing immense value to others is the right way and the most profitable way to do business. Nothing about that says you should allow yourself to be taken advantage of. The fact is you're going to have to say no to people a lot more than you say yes, because the more successful you become, the more people are going to ask you to do things, oftentimes with good intent. And yet it's not something that is the highest and best use of your time. So you've got to say no. The 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 big thing is the way a go giver says no is in such a way that you respect and honor the other person while also honoring your boundary. So let's say for example somebody asks you to serve on a committee, okay? That you just for whatever reason don't want to serve on.
0: Or volunteer for example. That's a thing that my audience has a lot of times volunteering. Sure.
1: So they yeah. ask you to 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 volunteer uh, uh, for this project. Okay. And so, you know, I've heard people say, well, no is a complete answer. It's a complete sentence. And I disagree with that. I think that's kind of rude. And, you know, in the real world, uh, I, I know how they mean it. They mean, don't feel guilty about saying no, and that, that I agree with, but no, no is no is not a complete sentence. It doesn't respect the other person and it's going to turn that person off and they'll never ask you to do anything else. And you may want to keep that door open. Plus, just saying no like that is not congruent with your values of showing respect and kindness to others. So I don't agree with that. There's also people who say, well, you can say no by saying I would, but I'm too busy. Well, aside from the fact that you kind of know it's not that you're too busy, it's that you don't value doing this volunteering thing as much as you value not doing it, okay. <laughs> and so, if you if you just say I'm too busy, what happens is the person may say, "Oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll call you back in three months and see how busy you are then." Well, now you're you know you're stuck. You're going to have to go through this, or they persuasively show you where it's not going to take up a lot of time. Now you're in a difficult situation. You either have to admit that you just don't want to do it, which means you know you've been basically caught in a fib. Or in order to save face, you've got to now do it, which you don't want to do. And I don't suggest doing that either. So here's a very simple method you can use. Just practice it a couple of times so that it becomes natural and it will absolutely set you free for the rest of your life, okay, in order to be able to say no when you need to. It's simply this. Again, they ask you to volunteer for this project and you you simply say, thank you so much for asking. While it's not something I'd like to do, please know how honored I am to be asked. Okay. Now, you may have your own style and say it a little differently. It might be, oh, thank you. Uh, While it's not something I'd like to take on, please know how grateful I am that you'd even think of asking me. And, and when you do that now they, they if they if they come back and say oh but come on we really need just sort of you know don't argue don't interrupt just don't just have a peaceful look on your face let them finish and then when they do you simply say oh I, I'd rather not but again I do appreciate you asking boom you'll retrain people that now what you didn't do is you didn't give them an, an excuse yeah. for them to hold Right, You just kind of made it, you honored them, you thanked them, you let them know how honored you were to be asked, but you made it clear it's not something you were going to do. Now, by the way, there are those times when you do need to give a reason, but those are special times. That depends on the relationship and there might need to be somewhere it wouldn't make sense not to, but 95% of the time with something like this, you know, if you ever feel it's like because of the time or not, just no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Yeah. Just do it the polite, nice, kind way. And now you can say no when you need to. Now, I'm not saying you should always say no. But if you feel it's something you want to do, it's congruent with your values, It's a, say yes. But when you when you're able to say no, it frees you up to say yes when that is the highest and best use of your time.
0: Oh, that is so good. That is so good. I love that. It is so important. So thank you so much, Bob, for this amazing insights. And is there any last word you want people to remember before we end this interview? Uh,
1: you know, I think it's, it's maybe just knowing and understanding that the more we can focus on others, you know, we always say the, the single greatest people skill is a, a genuine and authentic interest in the other person. And when we can focus on making people feel genuinely good about themselves, then they also tend to feel good about us and a real win-win is created.
0: Amazing. And where would you like us to find you?
1: Best place to go is com.
0: Excellent. Nomad Nation, I highly recommend you to check. Bob has multiple books. Now, the Go-Giver is one of his signature books, but I also recommend you to check the other one. So I will put all the links in the show notes of this episode so that you can find Bob easily. And thank you again, Bob. It's been amazing to be able to have the chance to talk to you today.
1: Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you.
0: Nomad Nation, stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.